Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. like lions uh and so fear if we're gonna fear we fear no evil i want to pause for a moment here at the outset of this second hour today and just touch briefly on fear what's driving the fear what's driving the fear in the nation what's driving the fear around the world what's driving your fear there, um, <clears throat> there's, there's both healthy and unhealthy fear. There is faithful and faithless fear. Proverbs, Proverbs 9.10 reminds us, uh, you know, that to fear God, to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But a lot of the stuff that we fear um, is, you know, it's just kind of a waste of time. And I, I want to say that in a way that um, leaves open, you know, my, my merciful, empathetic heart. Um, You and I need to be people who are operating with a fearless faith in the context of a world that is um, filled with fearful people and all kinds of fears. So, I mean, it's just today's headlines related to COVID. All right. There's, you know, potentially millions of missing doses of vaccines. Uh, There's a pharmacist in Wisconsin who is being prosecuted because he destroyed vaccines, believing that they are designed to make people infertile and implant microchips. He also believes the earth is flat. Uh, The national distribution of, uh, of all vaccines now, every vaccine available, withholding nothing for second doses, um, that's putting the people who are getting their first dose, who have had their first dose and their second dose is scheduled, it's putting them in a place of fear. There are rising fears about new strains. There are very legitimate fears about uh, all the time that kids have spent outside of school um, and a fear that they may not return at all uh, this academic year. Um, it's put teachers at odds with school districts and parents. Um, the cause of all of this? covid Really? So is that the cause of the fear? Like what's driving the fear? I want you to consider that um, for a few moments today. Uh, Consider the near miraculous news that we don't just have one COVID vaccine, but multiple COVID vaccines, both here in the United States and around the world. Uh, Consider the numbers both the number of uh, of infections and deaths worldwide here at home, it's very sobering. And yet, um, you know, there's hope on the horizon. But what's driving the fear? Well, according to a new uh, Ipsos, an Axios Ipsos poll, um, the new strains that are now being talked about, it's not, you know, there, there are always new strains of viruses, but there are some that are now making headlines. And it's actually the the fear of those new strains that seems or 
the concern about those new strains that seems to be driving fear, at least among Americans. They're far less concerned um, about kids going back to school. And yet you are going to see um, many, many people continue to uh, keep kids out of school. All right. So what drives your fear? Where is you? Where is your fear? You know, healthy, responsible, reasonable. Where is it unhealthy and um, detrimental? How is your fear faithful? And and at what places is your fear faithless? So just encouragement today to consider being a person who lives with fearless faith and yet with sober fear, um, recognizing that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association is going to unpack lots of COVID headlines with us, starting with, hey, can I test myself at home? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Brett, welcome back. Carmen, glad to be here. Happy February. Can you believe it? Happy February. Happy February. Groundhog's Day, Candlemas Day. I don't know, all kinds of days. It's it's halfway between uh, winter solstice and spring equinox. I don't know. I got all kinds of little factoids about today. Welcome to February. It's good. It's good. Um, All right. So... Uh, home testing. I apparently, I've learned recently, cannot provide my dog a home pregnancy test. But apparently, <laughs> I maybe am going to be able to test myself and my people at home for COVID. Tell us about That's this. right. Yeah. So if you look at the news recently, the U.S. just secured a $231 million deal with a company out of Australia that provides a 15-minute at-home COVID test. And it requires a smartphone. Uh, 15 minutes, obviously, in process, and it's a small swab, not quite as uh, as painful, perhaps, as the nasal swab that we use typically for our standard COVID testing. Okay, let me uh, ask this. Appropriate, yeah. appropriate or inappropriate to give that part of this news a, a praise Jesus declaration? Because well, sticking that thing all the way back to the back of my brain, I don't, that is, I will tell you, a limiting factor for me. Oh, absolutely. And it's not exactly fun for anyone else. But that being said, uh, we know that at least we get a good sample that way. And so I guess you would much rather know that the test that you have is either truly positive or truly negative than to just go ahead and get maybe a not so good sample. But the good news out of this, though, is that by the end of February, the first 100,000 kits will be arriving. Uh, The Department of Defense uh, will be navigating the distribution of that, but they'll be ramping upward uh, after that. The challenge, of course, is this is just an opportunity, again, as new testing modalities come out to increase the breadth of testing. And this will be the first one that will be an at-home testing opportunity. It does require a smartphone, so you have to have some level of technology. But aside from that, a 15-minute capacity to do this for those that have uh, school-related issues, work-related issues that may require some travel and those types of things. It's a perfect way to get a test that can be uploaded and confirmed uh, to go ahead and ensure that you are safe and that you are not maybe a silent carrier, somebody who is asymptomatic and having positive COVID uh, without knowing. So definitely a positive step forward. All right. And then let's talk about some vaccine updates because there are more and more of them coming online. Oh, my goodness. They just continue to come forward. So, you know, we have the Pfizer and the Moderna, as you know, that have been in the U.S. Uh, since they were released uh, 
couple months back now, in December, January. The Johnson & Johnson, as you may have heard in the news now, uh, just reported their, their results, 85% effective in preventing severe cases. And this was in 44,000 volunteers within the U.S., Latin America, and South Africa. And what's interesting, this is a single dose uh, that shows early immunity about 14 days after the initial vaccine. Uh, and it's similar to common viral vaccines. And the good thing about this it doesn't have the complexities around freezing. This is one that is fine at refrigerated and even room temperatures for a stable duration of time. And so the complexities of how do we roll this out if I'm not at a place that I can keep to sub-zero temperatures no longer is going to be an issue. So that one's rolling out uh, very soon. You've heard about the Novavax, uh, which is the one out of the UK, 89% effective. Uh, and that one's really been quite good um, in that process. 15,000 volunteers had taken it. And uh, the Variances with that against some of the other variants, uh, somewhat changes. And then, of course, you may have heard about the AstraZeneca, another one that was tested in 18 to 64. This is one that is for adult populations, but not for those above 64, so not for our geriatric population. Uh, so we continue to see these. There are others that are coming as well. Um, and then, you know, the biggest component of these is, hey, uh, when can I get them? How can I get them? Uh, of course, with this nor'easter blowing through right now, it definitely has slowed things down uh, for those that have had substantial snowfall as far as being able to mobilize that process. But in states like ours here in North Carolina, we've been pretty successful at getting a lot of our uh, geriatric population, as well as those obviously at the front lines, uh, immunized. And it's been going very well. There are places where vaccine, um, not only distribution, but actually, you know, needles into arms is going very, very well and other places where it is not going well. Um, this state by state difference is curious to me, even neighborhood by neighborhood. Um, and I just, you know, I just think there are going to be lots of conversations for us uh, to have as a people in the future in terms of, you know, well, hey, looking back, how might we have done it better, which might mean that in the future we can do it better yet. So I'm I'm kind of one of those people that's that's hopeful war. We will look back on this and have learned a lot. Let's talk a little bit. Oh, wait, we've got to take a break. Let, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to talk with Dr. Brett Nix about um, the the conversations related to schools reopening. I know many of you are interested in this. We'll be right back. If precipitation is falling on your plans, just call information up as far all right, you're going to want to take notes in this segment because one of the things that Dr. Brett Nick is going to tell you is how Carmen is like Einstein. But first, first, we're going to talk about schools reopening. How was that for a what tease? A, Did you like that? That was great. I've always thought of you like Einstein, though. Oh, that's good. The crazy hair. Okay, talk with us about uh, the, the studies related to schools reopening. Sure. There have been several studies. The most recent came out of, uh, of all things, North Carolina, a composite of data from UNC, North University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill and Duke University. They looked at about 11 school districts in North Carolina and said, hey, what are the optimal issues that would allow these schools to open? And is there a preponderance of evidence that su suggests that this can be done effectively and safely? And these specifically looked at schools that were a little bit different. They did what's called a 50-50 split. Monday and Tuesday, half of the school would come Thursday and Friday, half the school would come, and on Wednesday, they would do a deep clean. And so you're not there five days a week, but at least you're getting that contact. And what they ended up finding is if you implement the things that we know to be true, masking, social distancing as best possible, navigating optimal uh, hygiene processing, cohorting your students into their classes, not letting a lot of rotation going through, and then, of course, limiting indoor and close proximity sporting uh, events or whatnot, minimize case exposures. And what's fascinating is, yes, 
there were 800 cases in that school population. But if you really dive down deeply, only 32 were school-related. The vast majority of the cases, as we have known from data from the fall for those schools that have already been doing it in a different fashion, the vast majority of cases occur in the community setting. And when you look at this, the minimal uh, exposure components there in these cases, none of them were teachers. And these ones that were known to be positive ended up being in unique clusters, those pre-K kids that are really difficult to trying to, to keep them away from each other and practicing good hand hygiene, and many times with special needs kids. Very, very challenging populations to navigate, but the schools are not the accelerants of transmission. And this most recent article supports the data that we have discussed uh, in preceding months, which is the preponderance of evidence is there that if you look at the means of risk reduction, the things that we know to be true, keeping your kids distance in the classroom. If they have rotational classes, have the teachers rotate, not the classrooms themselves. Go through a standard cleaning and processing piece. Have a, a self-reporting system by the parents on a daily basis. And, of course, typical quarantining when at risk. The, uh, the benefits are enormous. This is not just about cognitive growth. This is about emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual, and the relational aspects of who we are created to be. So um, for those of you who are asking questions that are really specific to certain employment categories or categories of people being vaccinated, much uh, or many of the answers to your questions are going to be um, specific to your geography. And so if you're asking questions specifically about the vaccination of teachers and which teachers vaccines um, or which in which places vaccines are available, available for teachers, um, Ed Week, which is Education Week, edweek.org actually has those policies and procedures listed out on their website. So I'm going to direct people there because I can't answer that question um, with such a national audience. Okay. Um, Let's talk. Was I supposed to ask you something else before we talked about napping? Because I've already forgotten. Oh, we can talk um, about the uh, the South African variant. Yes, the South African variant. Boy, My nap yesterday was clearly not long enough. Yeah, <laughs> it has garnered so much attention. You'll hear in the news, um, both you know, up in Maryland, other locations now as well, the South African variant is here in the U.S., and one of the individuals has had no travel exposure. So we know that there's a community presence, and it's the B.1.351 that you may have heard of. And the concern that people have is, oh, my goodness, we have a new variant. What does it relate to the vaccine? Does this make a difference? And when we look at the data so far, uh, the vast majority of vaccines – are 50% or greater effective as it relates to uh, the variant. And when you look at uh, the data from Johnson & Johnson specifically, uh, they actually had very good components because they were tested in the South African population when their vaccine was being developed. Uh, Pfizer, Moderna, not in that population base, and so secondary testing has shown a good correlation there. Yes, you're not looking at the 95% or 85% effectiveness, depending on the vaccine, but you're still in that greater than 50% categorization. What does that mean? That means that it is going to be effective at preventing severe cases. Does it completely prevent you from getting illness? No. But the one thing which you want to prevent is the need to be not only hospitalized, but the, the need to be in the ICU for extended duration of care and process. And so, Uh, We are hopeful that we'll continue to see a very positive trend related to it, but recognize that this is one of several different variants, and this is the most recent one to come to the U.S., and so we will know more as time develops. All right, and I am not asking you to answer this very political question, but why is it okay to call these by the names of the nations where they originated, like the South African variant or the U.K. variant, but it's not okay to call COVID-19, the China virus, which is where it originated. Not asking you to answer that question, just simply making that observation. Okay, let's talk about napping, because this is how 
Carmen and Einstein are alike? It's an amazing question, and let's talk about this. So if now, regardless of your age, napping is a value. There was a study that just came out that maps other studies that have been published as well. This one is in the ages grades 60 and older that showed napping improves your cognitive and mental agility. And what they ended up finding is, hey, that not all sleep is the same. So you still have to focus. Are you getting good sleep at night? Do you have good sleep patterns? However, if you add in what they call a power nap, which is a nap up to about 20 minutes early in the afternoon, <clears throat> not late in the afternoon that might disrupt your sleep cycle, but early in the afternoon that you will improve dramatically. And what we know and what Carmen has pointed out is this was a pattern that Einstein followed. He would go through his normal day and at the midpoint of his day, he would actually go home, take a short power nap and then continue on with this process. Not saying that we are all Einstein, but that being said, there must be something <laughs> around this mental agility piece that he was practicing. And for those of us that get up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, it's also just necessary. So true. Like, I, I just feel like it's just, like, it's just necessary. My body needs it. My mind needs it. My people need it. I'm better. I'm better after a nap. Um, Brett, thank you, as always, so much. Um, if people wanted to find out what you're talking about in terms of things like intermittent fasting, um, w remind us of your website because you got some really good stuff posted there. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Please if take a look at my website. It's very easy. It's Brett, B-R-E-T. Uh, Nick's, N-I-C-K-S, M-D.com and backslash blog. And lots of great information on there on positive ways to live your life, things to address as far as how to lead well in your life, your community, and your family, and uh, just an opportunity to be part of a good community. I just love it. Thank you so much. So that's Brett Nix with an S, M-D.com, backslash blog. You can also find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association at cmda.org. Brett, thanks so much. We'll be right back. Carmen, my pleasure as always. All right, we have uh, talked in the last several months with several Beveers, several members of the Bevere family. And today we're going to talk with Arden Bevere. Uh, he has a book out now. It's entitled Redefined. And really, this is an opportunity for us to talk about the power of words and the words that we speak over one another, certainly the words we speak about one another. Um, What's the power of a word in your life when someone describes you as lost or if a word were to describe you a label like addicted or an addict or homeless um, versus a label like chosen, son, daughter, redeemed? You see how this works? We're going to talk about the power of a word and what it means to live a life that's redefined. That's with Arden Bevere up next. If the Lord is the shepherd who leads the flock, goodness and mercy are the two sheepdogs that guard the rear of the flock. Psalm 23 and verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Not goodness alone, for we are sinners in need of mercy. Not mercy alone, for we are fragile in need of goodness. We need them both, goodness and mercy. If that duo doesn't reinforce your faith, try this phrase, all the days of my life. What a huge statement. Goodness and mercy follow the child of God each and every day. Think of the days that lie ahead. What do you see? 
God will be at your side. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Not some, not most, not nearly all, but all the days of my life. This is Max Lucado. Arden Bevere. You can find him at Arden, A-R-D-E-N, Bevere.com. He's the youngest son of John and Lisa, uh, co-founder of Sons and Daughters, a movement committed to raise up a generation of uncompromising followers of Christ who will transform our world. Wow. Um, We need that. Arden, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk this morning. All right. So, I mean, you know, you guys in your family um, are subject of conversation around our dinner tables. But now that you are Bevere number four that has uh, appeared on Mornings with Carmen, you know, we want to know, do you guys talk about us behind our backs? Exactly. I mean, at this point, (laughs) I feel like you guys should just be joining us for Christmas. (gasps) Amen. There you go. There you go. It's an all in the family um, event. Okay. You have a passion to see your generation, and we say your generation, let me just tell our listeners, Arden is 25 years old. And so um, your passion to see a generation um, really come alive and fully follow uh, God in just a really adventuresome um, approach to living the Christian life. Let's just talk a little bit about your passion for God before we get into, um, into your book. Yeah. So, um, I mean, honestly, the heartbeat of what we do with Sons and Daughters, the ministry that you talked about in the beginning, is we say kind of something that might be a little countercultural, but we really believe that the problem in the world is not a lack of sons and daughters of God, but a lack of sons and daughters of God who have stepped into the fullness of what that actually means. Um, because we, if we saw that, we would see true transformation across this world. And I think, you know, oftentimes what we have been told, and I was told this at Bible college, is, hey, your role as a Christian is just to, you know, go to church every now and then, and then hopefully bring someone to, you know, bring someone to church with you. And hopefully your pastor preaches the the perfect message and your friend gets saved. And it's actually completely opposite. Ephesians 4.12 says the, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and apostles. So the fivefold ministry is there for the equipping of us to do the work of the ministry. And we feel like oftentimes Um, Our generation just does not know how to do that. We haven't put into action the things that our pastors, that our friends and that our, our, you know, family has been teaching us. And so we want to make sure, uh, uh, you know, as John says, you know, John said, Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have life to the fullest. We want to see every single sons and daughters walking in the identity, walking in the inheritance that God has called them to. All right. So I'm hearing I'm I'm hearing some. uh, some echoes there, some some co- points of conversation and points of contact with um, with Addison's book, Saints, Becoming More Than Christians. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not surprised by that. When we talk about living into the identity uh, of sons and daughters, when we talk about living into a life that is, and I'll use here the book title, redefined, a life that is redefined by God— Part of what you are helping us see is that there are some ways we have accepted the world's definition of ourselves, and we have to we have to get over those. Uh, we can't be limited by those in order that we could live into sort of the right and righteous, quote-unquote, label of being a son or a daughter of God. 
Does that kind of yeah. summarize what you're talking about? Yeah, for, for the most part. I mean, I, I think you look back at 2020 and there was a lot of labels placed on my generation and labels mm. that we reacted to and responded to. Um, and I think whenever you're in a place of reaction, you are never acting upon what God has, has placed on you. And uh, the thing that I found amazing as I kind of dove deep into this um, idea of what labels versus callings is I realized that throughout Scripture, God never uh, labels his people. He only calls them. A label speaks to who we have been in the past or who we are right now. I can't see past the you know, the natural, all the things that are going on right now. And so that's the tendency of the world. They speak to the hardship, the pain, the things that are wrong about this generation, whereas God calls this generation. He calls his people. And a calling speaks to the eternity that he's placed on your heart. It goes beyond you know, the, the problems that you've had in the past, the trauma, the pain, anything that you've gone through. And it speaks to the potential that he has placed on you. So calling is eternal while labels are temporary. And so we cannot live our life defined um, by the labels that have been placed on us by, you know, our family, our, our parents, our teachers, bosses, our peers, or friends. Um, we have to live our life defined by God's calling for us. Yeah. Am I going to be defined by my sin or am I going to be defined by my Savior? Am I going to be defined by um, those things that I know I have uh, that have marked my life in the past, or am I going to be defined by that which now marks my life in Christ? I mean, I think those are some of the exchanges you are encouraging us to make. Yeah, and, and that that's the big thing is I, I think, you know, I remember that whole thing that I said about reaction and acting. I remember my dad told me a story and he said, you know, hey, there was a there was a, a plane that went down. This was before 9-11. And he said that when they recovered the black box, so before they had, you know, the, uh, the, the cockpit separated from the people, he said when they recovered the black box, he said on the black box, what they had heard was just the all of the passengers were just completely screaming, completely reacting to everything that was going on. But he said then you could hear the pilots' voices. And he said the pilots were completely calm the whole time. They were going through their progressions. They were going through all the things that they had learned to do. And he said, what was the difference between the two? And he said the people were reacting. The pilots were acting. And he said, as children of God, we are called to act upon things. We're not called to look at the world and all the things that went wrong, you know, in 2020, all the things that we think could go wrong in 2021 and, and react to them. We're supposed to look at this and not say, you know, God, what in the world is going on? But we're supposed to look at it and say, God, what are you doing through this? What, are, what opportunities are you presenting? What things are you giving me uh, a purpose in as these things that we might look at in the natural are all going wrong? How can I be a son and a daughter and find the purpose that is within that? I'm talking with Arden Bevere, author of Redefined, um, and we're going to we're going to continue this conversation, um, but I want to be sure that folks can find Arden. Um, his website is simply ardenbevere.com. Uh, it's a great place to also connect with the Sons and Daughters Ministry, which is just fantastic. Um, so Arden, as you're, as you're talking there and you are reflecting on that, just the vast chasm between living a life that is reactionary um, and, and a life that is positively action-oriented— one is um, is sort of captive to whatever the cultural moment is. It's captive to um, the you know the the rising and falling of whatever tide of influence an individual might have on a given day. 
Um, it's captive to cancel culture. The other is not. I mean, a, yeah. a person who is empowered to understand not only, you know, this isn't just the power of positive thinking about myself as royal and chosen and an ambassador and, and a daughter of God with an eternal life and a um, and a heritage that can never be taken away. Like, I live that. That's who I am. And that's who you're going to get um, no matter what the circumstances are. And so I'm going to be that person come what may. And that is very empowering. Yeah. And that, and that has to be your, you know, your second nature. That has to be who you are. And I think what we've seen so much is honestly that, that, that identity comes from the word of God. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot where we have a generation right now that never before has had so much information at their hands. I mean, you have you have all this information through podcasts, messages, Instagram, your web, you know, websites, all these things. And I've seen it with my generation that we have all this information, but yet we lack the transformation. And transformation comes from the word of God. You can't get your identity from podcast messages, from your favorite pastor, Instagram posts from your favorite pastor, all these things. No, your identity has to be rooted and found in the word of God, because that's where true transformation takes place. All right, let's talk about um, the power of a word. When you think about the words that are spoken over people today, um, what are the ones that are sort of limiting and condemning and confining versus the ones that we as Christians need to be speaking, uh, that have been spoken over us as Christians, and maybe that we need to be turning and speaking over others as well. I'm going to ask Arden that question again when we come back from a very brief break. Uh, The book is Redefined. The author is Arden Bevere, and you can find him at ardenbevere.com. We'll be right back. Talking with Addison Bevere, we're talking about his book, Redefined. Addison, let's talk about um, the power of thoughts and the power of words and how we need to be actively allowing the Holy Spirit to to bring our hearts and minds into conformity with the way God thinks about us and the words God speaks over us versus the words and the ideas the world might have about us. Yeah, I mean— so, so you had mentioned something about just specific words that have been spoken over this generation. Um, really, with this book, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take 10 words that I had personally gone through. I wanted to make sure I look, I'm, I'm, I'm actually 26 now, um, just recently turned 26. And I have, uh, I'm in this place where I know I do not have all things figured out. I am learning so much. And so I wanted to come from a place of just wa- owning my generation to go further Um, and learn from my mistakes. And so one of the things that I actually talk about in the book and understanding the power of the words that are being spoken over us and a word that I think has taken captive over our generation is the idea of fear. And I I talk about this idea that's presented in the Bible and this understanding and it's something I think that we don't talk about a lot. And I wish my generation would understand because I think it would help us so much. And it's the idea of the fear of the fear of the Lord. Um, You know, fear of God is something that I think my generation has looked at and we're kind of been scared of. We're like, no, um, you know, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So there is no room for fear in my relationship with God. But actually the word fear of God is actually the word 
into me, which means into a deeper level of intimacy. And, and I love it when Exodus twenty twenty talks about it. Moses is saying to the people, he says, do not fear for God has come to see that his fear may be within you so that you do not sin. And, and you know, if the Bible only talks about one fear, um, that would be a very confusing verse, but it actually talks about the two different types of fear, the worldly fear and godly fear. And whatever you fear will be the master and the dictator of your life. And I've seen that there has been a lot of fear in my generation where we fear the unknown, we fear um, the outcomes of things, we fear taking risks rather than just fearing God. And, and I want to make sure I'm clear with this is fear of God is not being afraid of God. It is being afraid of being away from him. It's standing in awe, standing in reverence of his presence. And that's why I want my generation to have a healthy understanding of the fear of God. Because I love how Isaiah said it. He said, the fear of the Lord does not judge based off of the seeing of the eye or the hearing of the ear. It judges based off of righteous judgment. And I think that's so important because as we said even before, there was a lot of things in 2020 that I saw people were judging based off of what they saw and what they heard, not based off of what the word of God said. And the fear of the Lord will take you into a deeper level of intimacy, a deeper level of understanding God's heart for your life and a closeness with God that I want to see my generation grab hold of. All right, um, Arden, that is really um, is profound and it's powerful and it's a blessing. Um, when when you hear someone um, say to you or to, uh, you know, another young adult, um, words, label, speak words or labels that are dismissive or um, derogatory as if, as if there's somehow less of a contribution to be made by someone who is young. Um, well, first of all, it's just clearly anti-biblical. And, you know, like I would lift up you know, Timothy as a really good example there, and Paul's words to Timothy. But I'm wondering how you respond when when we're talking particularly about older Christians who might have, I don't know, some celebrity or some clout, and in reality, they're not speaking words of grace um, over over your generation or, you know, frankly, over their own. Can you just talk a little bit, like, within the household of faith— how is generational accountability brought to bear? Do you have any idea? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got the beautiful illustration of honestly my parents and how they raised us boys. And I think I think there has been some things with generations where I think we have done a disservice to ourselves by trying to push, push out any older generations rather than learning from them and gleaning from the wisdom that they have. But then I think as a result of that, there's been that, as you said, that's been that little, you know, callousness that's been given towards different generations. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, my parents used to do something with us boys that we never understood. We were like, you guys are crazy. This doesn't make sense. Why are you saying this? But whenever we made a mistake, whenever we acted out, um, yes, my parents would address the, the attitude or, or the, the, you know, the wrongness that we had done, but they would always call us princes in those moments. They'd be like, hey, you're a prince. And princes don't act like that. And I'd be like, mom, do you come from some royal lineage that I don't know about? Like, what do you mean princes? Like, that doesn't make sense. We're not you know, the new Disney princes that you're seeing on TV kind of thing. And what my parents were doing is they were not speaking to who we were in those moments. They were framing out the identity that God had 
for us in the word of God, what it meant to be a son and a daughter of God. And what happened was I watched as us boys is that, yes, we didn't understand it back then. And I love how my parents did not speak to who we were in that moment. Yes, they corrected us. They they called for the, the change in behavior, but yet they did not speak to who we were in that moment. They did not say you're a spoiled brat or you're, you're a liar or all these things. No, they called us forth to a higher calling. And that's what God does. And, and I watched with us boys as we grew up and we actually understood and read what the word of God said about us, we were able to walk in the identity and the inheritance, just as you said earlier, that who you are, we were able to walk in that, not because of any kind of special thing that was on our life, not because we were Bavirs, just simply because we were sons of God. And, and that's true about every single son and daughter of God, that that's the calling that has been placed on your life. And you have to grab hold of that. I'm coming over for Christmas. Let's just let, let your mom know. No, right? It's so fun to recognize, like, right? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to spend Christmas together for all eternity in the presence of the Father, in the company of the Son, and the fellowship of the Spirit. Um, it's fun to meet you in this way, in the here and now, um, to recognize that God has um, has has set this passion upon you, that His Spirit dwells within you, that you are interested in using the full force of your life to glorify him and advance his kingdom purposes. I, for one, am deeply grateful that you are my brother, that you are a son of God, um, and that you are provoking and encouraging others to be sons and daughters. Let me encourage you guys to follow Arden on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Bevere Arden, A-R-D-E-N. Check out sonsanddaughters.tv. Check out Arden's website, which is just ardenbevere.com. And if you've been listening to this conversation and you've been wondering, when is Carmen going to tell me that she has some books from Baker to pass along? Um, well, I do. And so if you are interested in a complimentary copy of Redefined by Arden Bevere, we have a handful of them to give away. So you can enter that drawing by texting the word book to 877-933-2484. Arden, thank you so very much. Give my greetings to all the people, to Addison, to John, to Lisa. Those are the ones who I've uh, met in this way so far, and I look forward to meeting the others. I will for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a true honor. Absolutely. It was a real pleasure. Blessings. That's Arden Bevere. You guys need to check him out. We'll be right back. rodent music out of our system today just on had Groundhog to Day. just had that's to that's hilarious that's hilarious okay uh let me because i only said it once um go ahead and say again yes i do have a handful of copies of arden bevere's redefined to pass along to you if you're interested in entering the drawing for the books we have available in studio just text the word book to 877-933-2484 just the word book nothing else we can't that's this is the way that works because then you get a little bounce back thing okay um yeah what a great day it is taste and see tuesday it is groundhog day it is candlemas it is uh the day during which i'm going to encourage you to read luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 22 recognize the faithfulness of the uh, earthly parents of jesus to do for him what the law required 
Um, and the faithfulness of Simeon and Anna, whom you'll meet in that story. If you've never met them before, make a study of Simeon and Anna. These are some characters um, who are missing from what I would consider the manger scene. Like they should be in the cradle crash. They should be in our conversations related to the incarnation of Jesus because their stories are powerful and they are witnesses um, generation to generation of the faithfulness of God to the messianic promises that he has made. God keeps his promises. If you need a good word for the day, um, consider that one. God keeps his promises. God is good and we are his. God is good and we are his. Nations rise and fall. The kingdom of God persists. And of that kingdom, we are not only citizens, but ambassadors. Let us go forth into the world that God so loves to demonstrate and declare his glory to others. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.